Hello, 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 look at me. I've been fresh. I've been walking with my savor. Guess I'm trying to do my best. And look, I'm just a bag of bones trying to shake up out the flesh. When you see me, never stress. When you see me, see me, see me, you say hello, 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 hello. Everybody, I hope you liked my introduction. Um, It was beautiful. I know, I know. <laughs> Give me um a record label. Put me on a song. I... I deserve it. I do. I do. Um, welcome, everyone. Uh, this is the Grace to Girl podcast, and I am Hannah. I'm feeling very much in the mood of doing a podcast to, like, dissect what I just read. So I just finished reading the book Sula by Toni Morrison, and this was a book that was recommended on a TikTok that my best friend sent me. And so I like read the description of it and I was like, it sounds pretty interesting. And so I was interested in actually reading it to see if it was something that I would enjoy. And so my sister bought it for me for my birthday and I started reading it, right? And let me tell you, this book has definitely been one that has been interesting. Interesting because I don't know how I feel about it. Um. A lot of the books that I read, I either super love them or I don't like them at all. And so there's never this like contradiction and I'm feeling this contradiction as I've read it and I've finished it. And so like toward the beginning of the book, I really did not like it. Not that I didn't like it. I just did. I didn't find it my taste, right? Then toward the end of the book, everything came together in such a well-rounded way that I actually enjoyed it. Like I quite enjoyed the ending and I started understanding more as I read to the end of the book. And so I'm actually really glad that I read the book because it gave me new insight. Um, But it also had some parts in it that I feel like made me be like, ooh, okay, I'm not a fan of this. And so I'll basically go into it as we're talking. Um, so yeah, so, okay, the book has uh, a couple of different characters, but the main characters in this book are Sula Peace and Nail Green. Nail and Sula are like best friends and they've been best friends since they were little girls. And so they live in this town called The Bottom, but The Bottom is actually on a hilltop. And so within this context, it's basically like the, like 19, what is it? Let me see. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. It's like the 1920s. I want to. I want to know exactly when did it start out. Yeah. So this is like the 1920s to the 1940 1940s. So that's kind of the time that this is set in. And so within the uh, within this time period, there is obviously segregation. Um, at this point and in this place, in this specific context, I think it was taking place in Ohio. In this specific place, there were not slaves anymore. So slavery had been abolished in this area, but there was still heavy segregation. And so all the white people lived in the valley and then all the black people lived in the bottom, which was the hill. And so it's actually quite interesting because the valley was like the most fertile land and the hill was not the most fertile land. And as everyone knows, hilltops are not the best place to really grow things um, because of, you know, when thing, when it rains, uh, the, the mud and the dirt is sliding and that does not cause it to like 
really like hold together like trees and plants and things of that nature, all of the crops. And so the Black people experienced a lot of trouble, a lot of suffering as they lived in the bottom, right? And so it was called the bottom because basically white people had named it so. And the white people had named it the bottom because they said that it was uh, the closest thing to heaven. It was the bottom of heaven or something of that nature, something to that effect. But it was also in a sense degrading because it was almost saying that this place occupied by predominantly black people is the bottom of the barrel. And so it was almost this like double meaning of like, it's the bottom part of heaven, but then it's also whatever, whatever. And so the book just basically gives us a bunch of different characters who go through a lot of life scenarios. And so Nell grows up with a very strict parent um, because Nell's, I think it was Nell's mother Nell's mother was like basically like getting around and stuff like that. And so Nell didn't want to do that. She didn't want to grow up like that. And so she chose to do better for her daughter. And then Sula, um, her mother got around like that too. And so then Sula, as she grew, grew up, like that was like the model that she had for her. And so Sula ends up living in this house with her mom and her grandmother, and then just a couple of other people who just like needed a place to stay. You know how some people's houses are like the house that just people whoever need something can live there. Like that's how her house was when she grew up. And so it goes through their whole life and it chronicles kind of like events that happened and things that shaped them into womanhood and all of that, uh, things like that. And so I'm not gonna go too deep into that. I feel like that's something that you should definitely read if you want to understand more about it, but I'm not gonna go too deep into it. Um, most of the overview I just want to give is like the overarching plot line, which is basically Sula and Nell were best friends. And then when they got older, they ended up separating and parting ways. And so Nell ended up getting married and stayed in the bottom and had kids. And then Sula ended up going off to college in another place. And then she came back. And when Sula came back, she basically um, like cheated on or Nell's husband cheated on Nell with Sula. So basically Nell's husband cheated on her with her best friend. And that was like very hurtful for Nell. And she had a difficult time like forgiving her best friend and stuff like that. And so then uh, her, Nell's husband ends up leaving and then Sula ends up living there, but she's kind of like known for getting around with people. And so all the people in town don't really like her because they feel like that she's going to take their man and stuff like that, just like she did with Nell. And so it's just this like generational thing that's happening. And I'll talk about a couple of themes that I noticed as I was reading, but basically I want to get through the storyline first. And so then after that, um, a bunch of other different events happen. Um, and then Nell ends up visiting Sula again because Sula got sick. And so Nell ends up visiting her and then like Sula's basically being like super like rude and like disrespectful to her Loki. And so then Nell ends up leaving. Um, but she basically kind of forgives Sula at the end of the day. Anywho, they have some heated conversations and then Sula ends up passing away. Um, what I will say about this book is that it is incredibly difficult to read. Like it is one of those things that's like 
you can't just pick this up and read it and understand it all. I still don't understand everything I read. I understand more than I did when I was halfway through, but it is very confusing. But I think what's nice about it is that you do have to puzzle it together so it doesn't give everything away you know, right at the get-go. You really do have to think about what are you reading and really dissect it. And then other parts of the story will pair up with what you've already read so that it fits together like a puzzle piece. And so I did like that aspect of it. And I thought that that was really good writing. It's telling of a good writer when you are able to um, make us wait for the resolve or make us wait to feel that piece. And I think that's why I felt like the ending was my favorite part of the book was because that was when the result like everything was getting resolved and all of the puzzle pieces were being fit into the puzzle and so I liked that um one thing about Toni Morrison in the way that she writes is that she is very lyrical and metaphorical in the way that she writes and so a lot of stuff you're sitting here thinking that it might be like some situation might be happening but you're also really confused because it doesn't say that the situation is happening. And so then you're like, is this happening? I don't know. And you don't know till you find out later. So for example, and this is a spoiler alert, for example, and I'll give you the time to pause now. I'll give you a 10 second grace period. Go ahead. If you don't want to hear a spoiler. So basically, Eva, which is uh, Sula's grandmother, she ended up killing her son. And it explains why she kills her son. Basically, she felt like he was at a place because he had just left the military and left war and she felt like he was at a place where he was going to be so dependent on her that he wouldn't be able to live without her and she didn't want that and she didn't want that for him and so she ended up killing him and setting him on fire and it was one of those things where it's like the way that Toni Morrison described it did not make it seem like he was actually dying. But then you find out later on and you're like, and one of the, uh, Hannah, who is Sula's mother, she was like, why did you kill my brother? Why did you kill your son, my brother? And like, basically that was like a whole, and I was like, whoa, okay. So he actually did die. I was, I thought he died, but I wasn't sure if he died because it was so confusing. And so I don't know. It was just really interesting. And so she does a really good job of using metaphors and using just all different types of analogies to really like hit home the point that she wants to, but in a very creative way. And so I like that. Um, I also thought that the book did a really great job of like connecting all the stories. So there's like three different stories that's going on. There's a story with a guy named Shadrach. There's a story between Sula and Nell, which was like the major overarching story. And then there's the story with like Eva and her relationship with Sula. And so those are like some of the different stories that go on within this. And there's of course other like tinier subplots, but those are the main plots that are throughout the book. And so you see that develop, but you also see how it intersects with one another. Um, because they all live in the same place. And I thought that was a really interesting and neat way of doing it. Um, yeah, and so that was really cool. Things that I did not like about the book, and I think that I'll find this as I get into more books that are for more mature audiences, is that it definitely was explicit, and I'm not a big fan of that. I could have done without a lot of the explicitness both in like language but also in describing certain scenes and I think that some of those scenes did not need to be included in my personal view I would have preferred to not have them included but also the author's trying to get a point across and so that's how she felt best to get the point across and it did get the point across and I feel like it did a good job of setting the scene 
but that wasn't really the scenes that I wanted to be uh, witnessing. Also, a lot of the language that was used was definitely like, okay, girl, you being a little bit explicit right here. But overall, I think the story itself was pretty well written. Um, and her craft is great. I mean, just admiring the craft in general of the author, she does a really great, great job of painting the picture and of getting you hooked into the story. Like I remember as I was reading, I was so confused, but I was also so interested in the book because she does it where everything is not clear, but it's clear enough for you to be interested. And so while I was like, oh, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know how this is. It's still interesting and you're still like drawn in. And so literally the first day I got through half of the book because I was just so interested in seeing what would happen after that. And then, um, yeah, so that was pretty interesting. It was a pretty good, like, pretty good book. I really did enjoy it. Um, I, hmm, did I have anything else I wanted to say on it? Yeah, I mean, it just was like, oh, okay, so this is also what I wanted to say. It talks a lot about issues that really do pertain to being Black in America. And I think especially it highlights that because this was a time in which slavery was fresh in the minds of people. Like people had literally just gotten out of slavery. Or Let me look up, when did slavery end? This is something I should know, but because it wasn't forced down my throat all my life um, in the American education system, I feel like I don't remember when ended when in America. Girl, I could not tell you. Oh, 1865. So apparently <laughs> 1865 was when slavery ended. So basically, like, they're not they're not directly involved with slavery or know anything really. Or they know about slavery because they have, like, great-grandparents who were likely slaves. But this was far enough removed from slavery that the generations to come did not act were not actual slaves but they knew people who were slaves etc but it brought up a lot of points it brought up a points about comparison between black people like i remember at one point it talked about how there were black uh people from canada who had come down to uh the the bottom the little town that was the bottom and they basically had this like superiority complex that they were better because they weren't slaves and I thought that was interesting of that dynamic that was mentioned that like these Canadian black people thought that they were better than the American black people because they weren't previously slaves. And I, I thought that was an interesting uh, thing that was brought up because there are superiority complexes within the race of blackness, even within uh, being African-American. And so it's interesting to see that because it made me think of like whenever people have uh, colorism or even just people who are from other countries and are black and are not from America, they definitely do kind of not look down on us, but they look at us differently or likely like in a different manner if they also weren't slave, uh, if they also weren't um, slaves. And so I think that that's just an interesting like dynamic that was presented in the book. I also think what's interesting is the heavy like similes and metaphors, a lot of people died in this and a lot of people died by fire. And so that was so interesting to me that a lot of people died by fire because I was like, obviously the fire is symbolism for something. And I didn't quite figure out what the fire was symbolism for, but it was interesting to note that obviously this 
fire is symbolizing something. And I think there was a lot of symbolism within this book. You could definitely take ages and ages reading this to try to understand all of the different symbolisms that Toni Morrison puts in here. When I was reading this, it did make me think of my literature classes where we used to read books like this and we used to have to like dissect it and understand it and all that stuff like that. And I really do love that. I really do enjoy reading books that have such deep literature. Like it's it's not just like a book with a story, but it actually has more than that. And so I really do love books like that. Um, I also love the dynamics within the families because I think it shows the true agony that African-Americans face. And it was just interesting to me because there are so many moments in which I was like, why would you make that decision? Like, why would you choose that? Like when the woman killed her son, why would you choose that? But then it's like, it's also, you can see from her point of view that like, this is something that is not, it's not gonna improve. And so you see these different kind of pools within each character where they wanna make this choice, but they also wanna make another choice. And so they're trying to find that balance, that footing in between. And so it was interesting, the choices that a lot of the characters made. And you're kind of sitting here as an outsider reading this and you're like, why would you make this decision? But once you dive in deep and kind of do a character analysis, you see much more why they would make this decision, why they would be like, okay, this is, and it's like, sometimes it doesn't completely make sense because we're not the ones in those situations. And so it still is something that I mull over and I think about it and I'm like, why did they actually do that? But you can see from their perspective or from their point of view, why they might have done that. It also, to me, revealed the power of generational curses and the power of how the choices that we make really do impact the people that come after us. And so that was a testament to me to want to do better as a parent, because I say better as a parent as if I'm a parent right now, but when I become a parent, I want to do better, um, not better than anyone else, but I just want to do better than like where I am right now. Like where I am right now, I am definitely struggling with things that I don't want to pass down to my kids. And so it made me want to be like, I do not want to have kids until this is solved, until this is resolved, because I do not want this passing on to my kids. I do not want to be the one that is carrying on this generational curse. And so it just showed me the true power of that. Like the fact that uh, Sula's mother lived a life of just kind of openness with any man reflected in Sula's life as well. And you saw a lot that Sula was called by her mother's name. So it was like her mother's name was Hannah. And so then Sula, rather than using Sula's name in certain instances, Toni Morrison would actually say Hannah's daughter. And so it was so interesting that they would say that because it's like that was a direct image of the life that Hannah lived. And it was so interesting that the character's name was Hannah as well because that was speaking to me to be like, I want to make sure that my daughter, whatever comes after her name or whatever comes after after Hannah's daughter is something that is positive and is not something that is a generational curse that I've passed down. And so I want the image that I pass to my child to be a godly image. And it's not gonna be a perfect image, but I do want it to be a godly image and not something that is reflective or indicative of not having grown into the woman that God wants me to be. And so those are definitely themes that you see throughout this a lot. Themes of generational curses, themes of broken homes. And I think what's interesting about this is it's so easy to judge these people's decisions 
and to judge the fact that they drink away they pro- their problems, that they have sex to, to uh, get away their problems, that they do all of these different decisions and that they live in broken homes. But to me, I feel like that is the residue of slavery. If you really trace it back to the roots of African-Americans, how can you say, oh, why would you do this? Why would you live in a broken home? Why would you cheat on your wife or your husband? When all of our lives as African-Americans, we have been taught by slavery that there is no family unit, that you are simply a body and that's it. And that's how we still see many African-Americans in this book and then also even in modern day still see people as just bodies because we were taught that in slavery and that is the residue and the effect of treating people like they're just bodies and so it is it is unjust to sit here and judge this book be like why would they be i mean of course this is fictional but like if these characters were to be real to sit there and to judge them because the thing is that these characters are not real, but they reflect the real lives of people. They reflect the real actions and real decisions of people. And so I feel like for me, I was sitting there just a little bit judgmental because I was like, oh my goodness. Like I just wanted them so bad to be in a a, a space where it was like wholesome. You know, I wanted it to be complete. But the thing is, and the truth is, is that it wasn't at the time and it still isn't for many people now. And that's not the story that Tony is trying to share. Tony is not trying to share this beautiful picture of whole and complete home. She's trying to show the effects of slavery on black people. She's trying to show the effects of black people simply being used in war, like to fight white people's battles and coming back with their mentality just all over the place and their mental health uh, being completely drained. And so that's the story that's being told through this. It's not a picture of happiness. And so when I went into this book, I definitely did. I was expecting less of a sorrowful tone, like a solemn tone. I was expecting less of that because I've been reading a lot of books that are fairly like fairy tale. Like I definitely read a lot of children's books that end with happy endings. I definitely read a lot of like adult books that end with happy endings. And so a lot of my fictional books are are in that realm, but it was interesting to read a book that wasn't in that realm and that just made me think in a different way. And so for that, I do enjoy this book. Um, I would want this book for more mature audiences because it is um, not appropriate. And quite frankly, if I had known that there was things in this book that I shouldn't have read, I probably wouldn't have read it. Not that it was that bad. It just like, it it obviously alludes to things that are inappropriate. And so when that happens and when it discusses it in detail, you have to be cautious and you have to be careful, just like if you were watching it on TV. And so I probably wouldn't have, or I would have been more cautious as I was reading it, but it ultimately was good. And I think it tells the story very well of these struggles and sorrows that Black people face. And of course, it had moments and highlights of happiness. But ultimately, the story that she was trying to tell through this was not one of a happily ever after. It was one to show the true and and disheartening and saddening effect of the situations that Black people are put in. And I think a majority of what she shares, even in her own words, she uses the words that um, this was a, a town of suffering, a place of suffering. 
Um, and so I thought that that was really interesting. And so ultimately, I would give this book, if I had to rate it, I would probably give this book a 7 out of 10 only because of the cussing and explicitness within the book would I take off three points but other than that I think everything is good I think overall the storyline is good the characters are well developed a lot of the characters you get a deep dive into um, but the main characters that you really focus on are Nell and Sula and you really see them change over time so I think that's an interesting thing and I like that she did the dynamic between two best friends because it made me reflect on my best friendship and it made me say, number one, I never want us to fight over a man and I never want that to be anything that we encounter. I know that uh, my best friend and I have had a conversation about this before where we've had the conversation that like, what are we going to do if both of us like the same guy? What are we going to do if one of us has a boyfriend and the other one doesn't? Like we've talked about that because, uh, and I'm so glad that this came up, but uh, my best friend actually like thought about it and she was the one that had initiated that conversation and I'm so glad that she did because I would hate for that to be the reason why we would fall out it is one of the worst things to fall out with a friend over a guy and I've actually experienced that and it wasn't even a guy that she liked it was just the fact that I was giving my attention to someone else and so I think that there is definitely conversations and honesty and vulnerability that needs to be had when you are dealing with a best friend and with boys and so i think that was clearly depicted in this book as literally her best friend cheated on uh, or her husband cheated on her with her, her best friend and so yeah it was just interesting but it definitely tells a story of broken people who are looking for something to fill them and it shows us just all the more how much we need God all the more how broken we are and how we really can't do anything on our own and how we really need to depend on God in order to be our ultimate fulfillment something that I thought was interesting was some of the descriptions that were in here of Sula and Nell's relationship at the beginning when they first became best friends and so I wanted to read some of the things that I underlined. I didn't underline much in the book because it was mostly a story. I see that whoever had this book before me did a lot of like light highlighting. I see some like light highlights every now and then. So I like paid attention to what they were highlighting, but it looks almost as if they were highlighting it for like a literature class because <laughs> they were like highlighting like the qualities of characters and like certain events that happened. And so I was like, obviously this person probably had to read this for a literature class, but some of the things that I thought was interesting was that, um, okay, so this is, these are just random quotes that I found. So this one is a random quote. It doesn't really relate to, or this is when they, okay, I'll just read this uh, paragraph. It says, so when they met, so this is the first time when they met, first in the chocolate halls and next through the ropes of the swing, they felt at ease and comfortable, and the, they felt the ease and comfort of old friends. Because each had discovered years before that they were neither white nor male and that all freedom and triumph was forbidden to, forbidden to them, they had set about creating something else to be. And I liked that. I really did. Because when you really dissect it, like, 
my best friend and I, we are not white and we are not male. And we recognize that. And we recognize that we have a lot of limitations on us, but also we can set out to create something else to be. And that's literally what it says in here. They had set about creating something else to be. And I thought that was such a great depiction of my best friend and I, because while there are certain things that we are not afforded the opportunity to do, there are other things that we are able to be afforded the opportunity to do or afforded the chance to create. And so I love that my best friend and I are just literally stepping out there and like doing what we need to do in order to become who God wants us to be. And so I love that. And then uh, the next line says their meeting was fortunate for it. Let them use each other to grow on. And I thought that was a cool point too. Like, I really do feel like my best friend and I use one another to grow on. And when she said that, I felt that so much reflected my relationship with Kamari that I genuinely was like, we do use each other to grow on. Like, I grow on her, she grows on me, and we literally grow together. And we, like, it's, I almost see it like two people who are sitting on the ground and they're back to back, and they're both pushing up on each other's backs as they're trying to stand up. And because the force of each other is pushing it helps them to be able to stand without using their hands. And like, I just think that that's so cool. Then on the next page, it says a a quote or a line that, a sentence that it says is, they found relief in each other's personality. This line right here, if I had to describe my relationship with my best friend in any way, it would be exactly that, that I find relief in her personality. I find relief in her personality. You have no clue how many friends I have actually like enjoyed their presence, but it's always been something that's been draining about my relationship with them. And Kamari and I are still human and we both still do drain one another, but it's so different because it's like, I don't know, the way that our personalities just mesh so well together, it's like we don't tie each other, tire each other out quickly like we definitely are built for one another and I love that so much about our relationships our personalities match up so well not because they're the same personalities but because it's like a puzzle piece that fits together and so we find relief in each other's personality I find relief in the way that she thinks about things in the way that she talks to me in the way that she considers my opinions and I find relief in the way that we like have express our love for one another or the way that we communicate with one another like some people like to talk all day every day Kamari and I don't do that like we will text and stuff but she's not always expecting me to text her back right away she's not always expecting me to text her all throughout the day or to not text her at all like we I feel like just mesh so well together and so to find relief in her personality is the perfect way of phrasing how I feel about my best friend And then another quote uh, that I thought was interesting was, in the safe harbor of each other's company, they could afford to abandon the ways of other people and concentrate on their own perceptions of things. And I think this just describes literally how Kamari and I conversate. Like when we have conversations, we literally just create our own perceptions of things. We create how we want to look at things. And we don't really consider, like, we think about what other people are doing and sometimes we do mimic that or follow that but most of the time we try our best to like not try to do what other people are doing all the time but come to our own conclusions about things and while our own conclusions about things 
may be the same thing that other people are doing. It's not because they are doing it. It's because we came to the conclusion that we agree with what they're doing. And we also want to do that or that thing. You know what I mean? And so I feel like we just concentrate a lot on our own perceptions of things. For example, when, <laughs> when Chris Rock or when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, Kamari and I had a good and long conversation coming to our own perception of that situation. And I did not feel the need to go watch or listen to anybody else's opinions on it. And so I did not listen to anybody else. Basically, in Toni Morrison's words, I abandoned the ways of other people and I concentrated on our own perceptions of things. And I thought that that was just a really good way of putting into words, beautiful words at that the way that Kamari and I communicate with one another. And so with that being said, that is my review on the book. Um, I would say if you are, I would say if you are like looking for a book that is interesting, um, if you're really into like deep type of literature, it might be a read that you want to check out. I definitely would advise, um, like, if you are not into the PG-13, like, type of thing, or, like, you know, suggestive dialogue or anything like that, um, don't read it or read it at a time when you're mature enough to be able to read that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I would say that it is a good book, and it earns a 7 out of 10 for me. So, but I think my favorite part is the actual book that I have is like the way that it is the pages like just feel really old and like I don't know they just look very like worn and I really like that look I think it just makes the book feel like it makes it feel old-timey so when you're reading it it's old it feels old-timey you just feel like you're really just like jumping in it okay let me I want to I want to figure out when was this book made. Oh, and she also has a book called Tar Baby. Tar Baby was a character in the book, so I'd be interested to see what that book is about. No way. Wait, I want to know when was this book actually published? Okay. Okay. So this book was originally published in 1973, but this actual copy of the book, I believe, was published in 1982, is what it looks like. So that's actually really cool. This is a pretty old book. And it's in pretty good condition for it to be from 1982. I don't think that's correct. I want to say that's wrong. I want to know when was this exact book published? I guess they don't tell you. Okay, well, oh well. It would be interesting though to know when this was exactly published. I like knowing that little stuff like that. There's no way this was published in 1982, though. Because I feel like if it was, 
it wouldn't be this good in condition. But maybe people just take care of their books because <laughs> I know I take care of my books. So <laughs> maybe people just took care of their books. Anywho, that's my total review on the book Sula. I think I'm going to start doing this more often where after I finish reading a book, I'm going to review it because I really do love talking about the books that I read and I feel like it helps me to digest what I've read. So yeah. Also, let me tell y'all something real quick. I have different bookshelves. Um, now, I have a lot of books. I really do. I really do. I actually don't have enough space on all my bookshelves to put all my books, um, which is a blessing because a lot of people don't have access to books. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to have as many books as I have. And I love reading. But the thing is, is that I have a, I have different bookshelves for a reason. There is a bookshelf where I keep books that I'm not that big of a fan of. And that's where I'm putting <laughs> Sula. Not because it's a bad book, but because it's not my favorite. And then I have a bookshelf that has all my favorite books, both my favorite children's books and my favorite like adult books and regular books. Like on my bookshelf that has my favorite books, it has The Giver, it has the Miles Morales comic, it has Little Women, Frederick Douglass's um, book called The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. It has The Disaster Days, which I just recently read and is a really good book. It has Refugee, Holier Than Thou, So Many Beginnings. Stamped is a really good book, too, for especially, it says Stamped for Kids. It's like the kids' version of the book Stamped by Ibram X. Kendi, and it's a really good book. And so, yeah, and then I have a bunch of children's books and stuff like that. But I have different bookshelves because when I look at the shelf, I want to know, these are books that I loved. And so, anywho um you guys can help me decide what book i should read next i have a couple of options on the menu i have the miseducation of the negro by carter g woodson this is a book that i actually wanted to read the only thing is that i just read a heavy book about african-american type of like lifestyle and so I don't know if I want to read another heavy book. Let's read the back of this. It says, how we have arrived at the present state of affairs can be understood only by studying the forces effective in the development of Negro education since it was systematically undertaken immediately after emancipation. To point out merely the defects as they appear today will be of little benefit to the present and future generations. These things must be viewed in their historic setting. The conclusions of today have been determined by what has taken place in the past and in the careful study of this history, you may see more clearly the great theater of events in which the Negro has played a part. Actually, I really like, <laughs> I really like how that was described. Number one, I like how that was described because I always feel like Kamari and I relate being an African-American to being in a play. And so for them to say that they are playing a part in this great theater of events is like so on par with what we use in our analogy. And then I also like that it's talking about the education system too, because you know me, I'm a teacher and I love reading about education. So let's see, maybe, but I don't know if I want to look too heavy into books right now. The next one that I have is Star Trek Strangers from the Sky. This one looks like a really interesting book. It also has really oldie type of pages. So I'm excited to see. Let me look in this book real quick. Oh, so that book was made in 1982. It's when it was published, not when it was written. So this was made in 1982. That one was made in 1982. And then this one was made in another time that was 
around then too. This one was 1987. So that's why the pages look so old. So this is another option. It's a pretty big book, like pretty chunky, but it looks like an interesting read. I got it from a thrift store one day. The next one is called Graduation by Maya Angelou. I think this would be a good next read to read only because I'm about to graduate. So I think that would be an interesting thing to read. And so that is one that I'm going to hold on to. Um, I already read Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry, but I also want to read it again so that I can take highlighted notes in my um, paper paperback copy. Because when I first read it, I read it um, online on an app. And so I want to read it again. But I don't know if I feel like reading again right now. So those are some options of books that I could potentially pick up soon. I also have the option of reading the book. Let me go find it because it's on my other bookshelf. But I also have the option of reading the book Hiroshima. This one looks like a pretty heavy book too, but my sister recommended it. And so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think, I don't know. And then there's another book called The King, The Last Kingdom that I've been wanting to read for the longest time, but never got around to it. It looks like just like a, a fictional chapter book, but I don't know. I don't know if I feel like getting into that either. I probably shouldn't make that decision tonight, but I think the one that seems the most interesting to me right now is the graduation one. So I'm going to read that one. Anywho. Hopefully y'all will see a review from me soon on the graduation one. That was pretty short, not too long. Um, and if you're ever interested in just buying a book, do you know how happy that would make me? I absolutely love books and books are one of my favorite things to read. So I hope you all have a great rest of your day, evening, night, whatever. And read some books. Read some books. It's helpful. All right. Peace out.